technology today. You know, the old days, we didn't have that. We had carrier pigeons, damn it. <laughs> you tell that to the kids today and they don't believe you. Uh, those were the days. Welcome back to Candid, everybody. This is another Conversations episode. And today we are welcoming Mr. Yannick Michaud from Olympus. Uh, Yannick, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Welcome to the show, Yannick. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'm so nervous. For context, uh, Yannick and I actually met about 12 hours ago. I was at a presentation um, all about the EM1 Mark II, which is going to feature heavily in today's conversation, of course, um, and just couldn't resist talking to him some more afterwards. So now he's here. Um, Yannick, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do at Olympus, and, and um, we'll start there. Well, it's, um, I'm a man of all trades. I'm a commercial photographer by, uh, by education and what I've done in Europe and Canada. And um, with Olympus, I do photography, I do sales, I do technical support, I help out in the trade marketing. You know what? I'm, we do everything here. <laughs> you just are Olympus. It's everything. I am. <laughs> Olympus Canada. Well, it's a, it's a busy thing. I do cover a lot of Canada and North America. I uh, do a lot of trade shows, do a lot of, um, like I did yesterday, a lot of demonstrations and live set up with a model and whatnot. Sure. And uh, teach photography and teach, you know, you go out with people in the wilderness and do photo safaris or teach them wilderness photography or studio setup. I just love photography. So I, I just go around where I need, need to be. That's all. <laughs> that sounds good. And it's, it lets you share it with, uh, with new folks and, and help everybody appreciate photography, which I feel like has always been one of Olympus's great strengths is, is being a perfect way um, into more professional photography for those who uh, are maybe coming from like a smartphone or something like that. There's always uh, a lot of choice there. But with Olympus cameras, that's at least prior to the EM1 series, um, that was kind of the, the intended target audience um, based on my perception anyway, it was like, okay, you want your first serious camera system that you can actually grow with and, and learn real photography. Well, it's very odd. It's in the early 2000s, late 1990s, Olympus was in the forefront of digital photography. Um, they were creating like the E10, E20. These were very advanced cameras at the time with beautiful lenses and they were the industry leaders right and then nikon and canon started with their dslrs and in 2003 early 2004 we came out with the e1 a couple of years behind the other guys and so we've we had a different technology but with yeah, right. the canon nikons out there they were the first ones even when we came out with a pro camera nikon and canon with their especially canon with their major pockets full of money um, gave the impression that they were the industry leaders. Sure. Olympus is very odd. They are, they are, there you go with my friends, sorry. They are very much innovators in technology with different forms like these, uh, the, the um, sensors which are self-cleaning, the lenses which are made for the digital field. You know, this is entirely different. 2003, no one saw digitally specific lenses. Right. Yeah. So they were always able to go on the forefront and give a high-end camera and also an entry-level camera, which was very uh, different at the time. And we had all the lenses for the pro, the amateur, right in the middle. But we have to admit, Nikon and Canon have always had the foot in the door in the pro market. 
there, we can't we can't argue that at all. Well, I think you you nailed it in saying that they had the size advantage because they're just you know the scale of the companies themselves are very different. And frankly, one of the things that impresses me most about Olympus as a company is how, um, despite being more nimble, it's managed to make a huge impact not only in terms of actual imaging technology, like you said, the sensor cleaning tech, which is the best I've ever encountered, uh, image stabilization, of course, which is one of the hallmark um, features of the system, um, but also being able to take those and build cameras and and um, reach this bigger and bigger market, despite all these other folks having more resources to throw at the problem. No question. That is very well spoken in the way that Olympus is an industry leader in many different forms, but their major product is medical. Let's keep that in mind. Right. And all the technology which we put into the digital market uh, from the lenses for microscopes, endoscopes, for surgical and for industrial scientific groups, well, all that technology does trickle down into the camera department. And they've been around for about 100 years, so they know what lenses are. Olympus is a lens manufacturer primer, prime, uh, first and foremost. Right. And that is very important. So that technology goes into the cameras. We do have the ability to create some very innovative design, which is why our lenses are exceedingly sharp, even at wide open aperture, which is what I really enjoy. People say we... You have to normally, with a, a full-frame sensor, you have to crack down two to three stops in order to get your best quality. Yep. With a lot, many Olympus lenses, just shoot wide open, and you will not have diffraction or vignetting or chromatic aberration or um, any of that unsharpness on the edges. It's going to be sharp from corner to corner, and that's what a digital-specific lens should be doing. Yeah, and this is one of those hidden advantages to having a smaller sensor size that people like to neglect because they always think bigger is better. But That's right. when you're talking about um, you know the the lens being manufactured specifically for this sensor and not having to um, cast light on such a huge area, things like light fall off are just no longer an issue. And um, one of the things that surprised me, um, I think my first my first introduction to Olympus cameras was the original EM10 and the 45 uh, 1.8 prime. Same for me. And I was utterly blown away by this lens, first of all, because it was tiny. It looked like a toy system. Yes, it does. But what surprised me was I was coming from Canon L-series glass, right? And I was like, oh, you know, Canon L-series, the red ring, it's all, it's the best, blah, blah, blah. And then I, I come down to what's supposed to be like, it looks like a toy, it's portable, but somehow that lens is to this day one of the sharpest that I have ever shot on any system. And it, it just goes to show that, you know, what you were saying earlier about Olympus being primarily um, a lens manufacturer and taking that expertise from a decade um, or a century, really, of, of medical imaging technology where that kind of uh, optical precision is required and being able to translate that into relatively affordable high-end glass for photography. I think it's, honestly, I think it's underappreciated the the sharpness and the contrast that um, just the basic, even the basic lenses, right? Because the 45 is not a quote unquote pro lens, um, but man, oh man, is it ever a good one. It, it's, it's very odd when you say that, because when you look at the lens, like you said, it looks like a toy. It's not very expensive. It's very light. And then you're saying to yourself, this is not a pro lens because you're used to the big Canon glasses, which are very heavy and obtuse and large, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're putting this little thing on and you're looking at the images 
and you're blown away by the sharpness and the contrast and the 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 quality just you fall off the the colors etc yeah it's it's very nice and you're wondering how do they do this yeah we are we we, we certainly well, yeah. are <laughs> olympus is very is very strong about that and olympus is personally to all three of us even though josh isn't with us today uh, but i know for a fact that olympus is near and dear to all of our hearts because that was sort of our gateway drug into the quote-unquote real photography world <laughs> that's a good way to say it yeah yeah and uh, it'll always remain a very very dear brand for me personally about 30 years ago when i started my career in photography i uh i was at a shop in montreal and the uh, i asked this gentleman behind the counter i said what is this olympus system what is olympus i have no idea <laughs> it was an om4 ti with a whole bunch of lenses i'm a medium and large format shooter Right. So I didn't know very much about 35 to begin with. Yeah, we knew about the F4 Nikon and all that, but not yeah. very much about Olympus. And he says, if you want to know anything about the best lenses out there, try this system. This is some of the best glass you will ever use in your life. And to this day, the OM lenses are still incredibly popular in the you know in the yes. used market. Yeah, yeah. The OM 2N. Their their mentality has always been keep it small, keep it light. Yeah. While the Nikon and Canons is, you know, impress your friends and have a backache and show them that you can't walk after a day of shooting, <laughs> which is okay too, you know. But honestly, if for the average individual who doesn't have to impress everyone out there, why do you need to carry 30 kilos of gear everywhere you go? Here you could have an EM5 Mark II, which is weatherproof camera, two lenses everywhere from 24 to 80 and 80 to 300 in two lens kit, and it'll weigh about two and a half three kilos yeah in with battery the bag and everything and a bottle of scotch in the in the bottom <laughs> just enjoy your day right when you're out i'd much rather carry a bottle of scotch than a 30 pounds worth of camera gear i, I can tell you that <laughs> well it, it, a wee bottle a wee small bottle all right <laughs> no but you make a very interesting point because uh let's let's sort of uh widen our view for a for a moment uh olympus is a uh, a brand that I've always felt is very connected with the consumer market. The way that they advertise and they market their products is very intuitive and people just seem to get it, uh, myself included. Uh, and at the same time, I'm starting to see a discrepancy between the positioning that Olympus enjoys in the market, uh, as far as I, I can see, with their what seems to be their strategy in, in terms of product roadmap. Because they seem to be unashamedly pursuing the high end of the market, like with extremely professional gear. Uh, and at that point, on, on one side, I, I see that they have a very compelling product line and it's incredible. But at the same time, I sort of also see the industry sort of trending towards bigger and bigger sensors and bigger and bigger cameras and lenses. And people are complaining suddenly that the full frame Sony cameras are, are not big enough and they're not comfortable enough to hold. So I, I see sort of two stories going on there. And I'm not sure where Olympus sees themselves in, in, in that picture. Well, that's an excellent point. Um, the, when you say the average consumer wants bigger and bigger sensor. No, I, I, I wasn't uh, referring to average consumers. Clearly, this is about professionals. All right. I, I absolutely agree that consumers are incredibly well served by Olympus's offerings. And pretty much 90% of people that 
actually enjoy photography and take pictures for fun, they don't need to step any higher than that. So if I understand correctly, you're saying that the professional wants a medium format like the Fuji and the Pentax 645 and something bigger than a 35. Um, Olympus is not going to jump onto that as far as I could tell at this very moment in time. Again, their mentality has been for many, many years, keep it small, keep it light. Right. The average consumer doesn't want, or and even the average high-end photographer doesn't want to carry a big heavy camera everywhere they go. In my days, when I was shooting professionally, I would have my Hasselblad, I would have my 4x5 camera, but I would be damned if I would do that on a day off. If I'm cycling around uh, back home in Copenhagen with my daughter and my wife on a bike, would I really want to carry all that gear? No, I carried a small Olympus Stylus Epic film camera. Nice. And that's how I went out. If a person wants to carry all the gear and be a professional photographer and carry all the gear and the lenses and everything, they're more than welcome to. But that is a very niche, small market. Yeah, that's true. And the 95% of commercial photographers who, and I say commercial, professional, that's a big range, right? From weekend warriors to you know, a guy who does it part-time. Yeah. Um, they'll have their camera and not, of them, not a lot of them will go for a medium format, either Phase 1 or the Pentax or the Fuji or the Hasselblad. So even the Phase 1 with a, on a Hasselblad uh, as a back, they'll rent them once in a while, but the market doesn't need all of these medium formats at the same time at this present moment. The quality of a 35 or a micro four-third is still for many sufficient if you were doing an 8x10, 16x20, 24x30, whatnot, that's plenty. Yeah. I've even done 50x16-inch prints with uh, my camera with an EM5 and EM1, even a 60x80-inch print. Yes, you're working on it in up-resing in, in the programs, but it's all very, very uh, uh, doable without any uh, any consternation or or too much stress. I could be wrong, but I get the impression that part of that um, uh, demand is artificial in the sense that people have the impression that they require full frame, that they require medium format to achieve certain things when that is not in fact the case. And I'm reminded of, uh, of the session yesterday um, you had a number of prints up on the wall and were showing us some images that you had taken, not even with uh, the EM1 Mark II uh, exclusively, it was with some of the older generation cameras as well. And these were large, beautiful prints. And the funniest thing was hearing the folks behind me and, and around just being like, oh, wow, that's that's incredible. And this uh, this realization that you could get that kind of image from a smaller sensor camera like it's it's almost as if the problem is more one of education than anything else and that's obviously where, where your job comes in and is so important because you are demonstrating the uh, broad scope of photography that can be accomplished despite the supposed limitations of a smaller sensor and I think that's uh, it was eye-opening for me because I think I expected that um, a crowd of general photographers would have a more um, precise appreciation for what you can do with a micro four thirds camera and sensor. And I guess that's just not the case because they, to me, at least they seemed very surprised by that. And that was kind of cool to see you being able to, you know, discuss how you'd gotten those shots and 
in many cases, it was, you were telling us, you know, there's, there wasn't really a tripod involved. There were these difficult circumstances in terms of weather, in terms of uh, location, whatever it, the case may be. But the shots are amazing, and it's not just amazing on screen. They've, you know, they've translated to a large size print. Like, uh, my printer doesn't go any bigger than what you showed us. And so, to me, that's like the maximum uh, potential output that I would be, uh, that I would ever need. And it's just really heartening to see that, that you were able to get those results. Well, there is a lot of misinformation out there, especially in the land of the internet, where everyone <laughs> is a commercial professional photographer who knows everything about photography. They're the oracles, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know, I travel enormously, a huge amount left, right and center. I talk to thousands of people a year on photography. And every year I meet people and say, oh, I had no idea you could print more than an 8x10 right. with a micro four third. It still baffles my mind. Yeah. And then when I tell them the math behind an APS-C sensor versus a micro four third, it's not that large a difference. So why do they have the, the impression that a micro four third is a small sensor? Perhaps it's a little bit of the name itself, micro four third. Yeah, maybe that is a negative. It could be already uh, you have mirrorless, right? So you're taking a mirror out of a camera. So something negative there. And then micro, again, small. Maybe that's one of the points. <laughs> yeah, the semantics are not working in your favor there. <laughs> no, but uh, even when it was called the four third sensor, you know, back in the e-system days, people were very shocked. You know, why oh, it's a small camera, small sensor, you can't print. It was the same size as what we're using now, just more megapixels in today's technology. Right. And we we still had people who believed it was significantly smaller than a, an APS-C, which, if you did the math, it isn't. So it was a lot of misinformation out there due to certain people on the on certain sites on the internet, and they were very pro Nikon, Canon, and APS-C, or just full frame. But when you're taking a look at the differences in today's technology, when people are going around with their iPhones or smartphones, whichever device they're using, and they're happy with their quality, well, the quality has improved immensely in the past four or five years. And the same thing has gone with us in, our, in the term of our technology in our, the Micro Four Third, in terms of the focusing, the sharpness, the quality of the image, and that's just the input, but even just the the operation of the camera. You couldn't have had a camera five years ago, which does 60 frames per second, with that image civilization of five axis. All this is new technology, which we didn't have during the e-system days. So there are so many advances and so many huge improvements. I sound like Donald Trump, right? Huge, huge improvements <laughs> over the uh, the past technologies that... It's absolutely baffling. I'm doing images which I could not have done five or even six years ago. Right. The image civilization, the quality of the lenses, the quality of the sensors, the high I put ISO, it makes my life a lot easier. Yeah, and that, that growth in terms of technological sophistication in the cameras has definitely been very noticeable. Um, one of our listeners, Tay, is wondering where that goes from here, though. He's, he's essentially um, concerned that um, the new sensor in the Pen-F and the EM1 Mark II uh, sensors, I should say, since they're not the same, but um, 
is that starting to um, reach the potential limit, you know, the ceiling of what can be done with this sensor size in terms of signal to noise ratio, in terms of um, detail? I mean, you, you guys can always keep working on improving things like um, the autofocus speed. And that's obviously that was something that the EM1 Mark II just blew people away with. It's, it's unbelievable what it can do. Um, but just speaking about the format and the sensor itself, I think um, he, what he's getting at is this concern, especially because things like the, um, I forget who it was now, but there was an interview where um, one of the engineers who was working on the stabilization system was saying, we've kind of reached the limit of what we can do on that because anything more would require us to compensate for the rotation of the planet itself, right? <laughs> yeah, I read about that too. I don't know exactly where they're going to go or how much more they could do. I've talked to certain individuals and they say there's still room that we could grow. But remember, the megapixel wars are all intents and purpose pretty much dead. Yeah. So we are always going to try and improve image quality. We're not going to try and put in more megapixels in order to just keep up with the Joneses. We're going to create technologies for the improvement of the application of photography, for the output quality, for the high, uh, what is it called, the image latitude, stuff like that, in order to get better image quality. And it doesn't necessarily always have to be in terms of packing in more pixels. You obviously know you, you have more pixels, you will have a problem with um, the single noise ratio, you'll have problems with the, the electron hopping if you go too small in the pixel size. There's a lot of problems which will arise and diffraction of light, etc. in the lenses, so you'll need a higher resolution lens. Right. Um, there is going to be a plateau. Well, why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about the um, some of the challenges in terms of addressing the pro market? Because we were talking a little earlier about how Olympus is um, trying to really win back or not win back, but win those those professionals and try and um, demonstrate that this system is capable of professional level work. And we've seen that in terms of the uh, capabilities of the new bodies. We've seen that in terms of the pro line of lenses, which are just outstanding. Um, and we're also beginning to see it in things like the pro service and pro advantage programs, which I think are the same thing, but for different regions. Am I am I wrong? Yeah, we're starting and uh, we started already actually a pro service for on the American side, and we're going to bring it to Canada probably if everything works out for the autumn. Awesome. Yeah, because that, that would have been one of my questions: is when do we get it up here? <laughs> yeah, well, they're 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 just trying to hammer out all the problems and logistics etc. And then we'll bring it up here to Canada. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys see as the challenges in addressing this pro market? Because again, you've got you've got the technological prowess. So what what is uh, what are the hurdles that you're crossing in trying to uh, capture the attention of these folks who have been shooting Nikon and Canon and whatnot for decades? Like how how do you talk to them? That's an that's an excellent point when you just said for decades. Yeah. When you're working with a certain product, whether you're a Ford individual or you've only tried Nikon, well, your your mind is going to be attuned to that product and you will believe in it and that's it. Yeah. So it is very difficult, especially for photographers who are a very conservative bunch, yeah. Yeah. to try and hold something different, you know, the camera with a C or the N or the, the <laughs> S, you know, these are all brands which... And 
and everyone's guilty of it. You look at a photographer, oh, he just has that, he's not a true photographer. Everyone is guilty of that per se, but in the end, it isn't, and I've discussed this with many, many people, it's not what you have in your hand. You could have the best camera lens in the world. You may have the best car. Uh, it doesn't make you a professional driver, and having a best camera doesn't make you a professional photographer either. Yeah. And that is what we're trying to teach people is that, yeah, you may have yourself what you believe to be the best camera for your needs, but do you come home with a backache or neck ache, or do you, are you tired after a whole day of shooting? And if so, why don't you hold one of our cameras, try it out, play with it, get the images on the computer, print some images, and tell us what you feel. And many people are saying, holy good Lord, this is changing my life around. Yeah. When I'm hiking in, the, in, the, in Western Canada, or if I'm up, you know, canoeing in Quebec or wherever, I'm, I talk to people and I'm, I'm there with my knapsack full of gear and whatnot. And like I said yesterday, I've got, I'm not old guy, I'm 48 years old, but I have a very bad form of arthritis. And without the drugs that I'm using, I would be a cripple. Five years ago, I was actually walking with a cane. I couldn't move. I couldn't hold my guitar. I couldn't play with my children. I couldn't do anything. Walking, even wearing cowboy boots, I couldn't do. I was a mess. I couldn't photograph for a whole year. And then the EM5 regular, the first generation, came out, and my fingers were starting to feel a bit better, and I held the camera in my hands for the first time, and I nearly cried. I was able to hold the camera and actually shoot because my fingers were so painful and so um, inflamed, I couldn't even shoot. The, just by declenching the, uh, the shutter release, I would be in severe pain. Right. It wasn't heavy. It wasn't you know, a, a massive piece of equipment. And I got images which I wanted. So it is very important that we address every form of photography in society. Professional photography is a small amount of the sales of, of, of photographic equipment on, uh, as a whole. So why are we going to run around and try to get everyone with right. who has a, a studio or a, a company to have this camera? When, as you know, as well as I do, not everyone needs a full frame. Not everyone needs a micro four third. Not everyone needs a, a medium format or a large format. There are so many different forms of photography and different, uh, a different hand, someone who, who prefers a smaller camera or someone who prefers a bigger camera. There are so many different tastes and variances that in the end, if we all did the same thing, we'd live in a very sad world. Now we have choices. If you want your medium format, you have it there. If you want your large sensor, large cameras. So you do know when you have a large sensor, your lenses will be significantly larger. So even if you have a tiny body for your full frame sensor and you have a big lens, it kind of defeats the purpose. So we're changing it around saying you can have a smaller sensor, which is more rectangular. It is not as long as an 8x12. It's made for an 8x10 style aspect ratio. And so by doing so, you don't, you're not, you're not going to get the vignetting chromatic aberration on the edges. Your lenses will be smaller. 
And by doing so, your image stabilization will work exceedingly well. So it is everything in photography is a compromise. If you want something, you have to pay for it one way or another. In our system, we have something which is very tiny, very, you know, in terms of weight and distribution and size, but image quality is not sacrificed per se. I'm still able to, to print very large images. I have lenses which are very bright. I have that limited depth of field that I need with uh, my lenses, and it's not breaking my spine. So there's always a give and take in photography. It is not for everyone, whether you're shooting always with a Nikon or a Canon or full frame or a Hasselblad, it doesn't really matter. Each person has their own form of photography, their own needs, requirements, and their own physical abilities. Not everyone wants to carry a, a, a body which is two and a half kilos and another lens which is three kilos. Everyone is a little different. So I think Olympus is just offering to the individuals out there, this is what they have, this is what we're offering, and uh, just try it out. That's my humble opinion. Yeah, it's an excellent point. It's an excellent point. What, what I, this sort of comes back to what I was trying to explain before, which is that Olympus seems to be going very, very seriously after that high-end pro market because their position in their products in that segment, I mean, price-wise, the, the EM1 Mark II is an expensive camera. It's definitely in the same price league as the Canons and Nikons of the world. And that, to me, strikes me as a very bold move by Olympus saying, we can capture a significant part of this market, which may not be very big in terms of number of users, but it's definitely profitable because these are people who are willing to pay a premium for a very nice product that is incredibly well built and that delivers just great image quality. So the, the opportunity is there and it, it takes courage. I'm, I guess I'm just surprised that they are willing to take that risk because these are people who are incredibly biased and who I don't think they're ever, well, not let's not say ever, but I don't think they're still prepared to let go of the trope that they, if they want to do real professional work, they still need Canon and Nikon to do it. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a very interesting bet, and I definitely hope it pays off in the end because uh, we would all be better off if that was the case. Well, the EM the OMD line is something which we started back in 2012, and the EM5 Mark One, the first generation, was a very different form of photography and camera that no one's ever seen before. And it took the world by storm. Yeah. The EM1, etc., the EM10, it's always a little different. The EM1 Mark II is a very different camera. Yes, we are going for the higher end uh, shooter. There's no question about that. But that's because the technology is there. We were, With our engineers and our people working in R&D, they discovered that we are able to up the game. We're able to create a camera which does offer 60 frames per second with a, an image stabilization unit which is second to none with high-end video, cinema 4K and 4K video. All of these things and more, there's so much uh, electronics and, and differences in this camera that I could keep on going for an hour. But the, the thing is, the technology was there, they discussed it, and they said, let's create this camera. 
we have the technology. I feel like the six six million dollar man. <laughs> you know, we have the technology. Let's do it. And there are many people out there, Nikon shooters, etc., and Canon and Sony and whatnot, or medium format, who say, "Listen, I don't want to slap around my all my gear when I'm going on vacation, or if I'm just going on a weekend thing with my family. I just want a small, lightweight camera." which is able to follow with what I want to do. Right. A lot of people have gravitated to their second system, an EM5 Mark II or even the EM1 Mark II. So there is a place for everything. We're not going to grab all of the market. There's no question. There's so many people who are, you know, sold with their own camera, their own unit. They're, this is my brand. This is what I'm going to live with. This is what I'm going to die with. And those people were not going to change. But there's still a large segment who are saying, you know, I've had this system for many years. I'm getting a little tired now. I don't need the this, the large full-frame sensor because I'm not getting the results I want from it. I have to carry a tripod. I have to carry the larger lenses. I have to always up the ISO. In the end, many people will say, if I could go around without a monopod or a tripod, and because the camera is smaller, lighter, and have image stabilization, that I don't have to carry all that or even increase my uh, ISO too much, why do I need to carry a, a bag full of 20, 25 pounds worth of equipment? And that's where I find Olympus has a very valid point to their existence, is that we are offering something that very few other manufacturers out there are offering small, lightweight camera, lightweight, very bright lenses, very sharp lenses, and at the same time, not heavy. All of that makes it a very valid point. Yes, we have a high-end camera with the EM1 Mark II, and it is selling very, very well. Right. And our lens, like the 300 f4, is in continuous back order. The new 12 to 100 f4 back order also because they're so the demand is so high so uh if the demand is there and it's and we're producing the stuff as fast as we can and we're in a back order situation i find that means that we're doing something right oh absolutely the demand is there the interest is there and it's valid it's not creating something uh for a professional and they're not going to gravitate to it we're doing exceedingly well at the moment with this em1 mark ii and uh, it's something which will keep on going. And remember, uh, the stuff that we're creating for the higher-end camera will trickle down to the middle and to low-end cameras too in the future. So it does help out. We create the new technologies and innovations on the top end, and it trickles down into the uh, the lower-end uh, cameras in the future. Right. Well, we're we're extremely happy to hear that you guys are doing fine. And, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you're absolutely right. In the end, it's the market who decides if the strategy is right or, or wrong. We're yeah. you know, just, it, whatever we say, it just doesn't matter. If people like the product and keep buying it, then you guys are absolutely on the money. So I'm, I'm very happy to hear that that's the case. And uh, yeah, I wish you the best. Well, there's, it's very valid. There's no question. People don't want to always carry a big, heavy camera gear wherever they go. And uh, sometimes, you know, what I always say to people, the best camera is the one you have on you, not the one which is left at home or at the studio. Yeah. So, and I was guilty of it too. When I used to carry always my Hasselblads and everything, 
at the end of the day, I didn't want to schlep around this gear, which is why one day when I came back to Canada, I, I bought a little Olympus Stylus Epic that a friend of mine showed me and I didn't look back. <laughs>